from Ezekiel 20, if you want to turn there or listen. Ezekiel 20, verses 9, sorry, 7 through 10, I'll be reading, focusing on verse 9. Hear then God's holy and infallible word. Then I said to them, each of you, throw away the abominations which are before his eyes, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not obey me. They did not cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for my name's sake, that I should not be profaned before the Gentiles among whom they were, in whose sight I had made myself known to them, to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, and thank you for your word spoken by this prophet so many hundreds of years ago. May it be profitable for us even today, and I trust that it will be true by the working of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the passage I just read is just a small part of a very lengthy pronouncement by God through Ezekiel to Israel, really covering chapter after chapter. Over and over again, the Lord told them that they deserved punishment. Yet, they didn't, as is so often the case towards those he loves, they didn't get what they deserved. Uh, what drew my attention to these few verses in this chapter, uh, which came up in my uh, just regular reading this week, was the small part of the overall text that was the repetition in verse 9. Four times in just this chapter, uh, three times the exact wording in the English translation, verses 9, 14, and 22, and then a fourth time at the very end of the chapter, uh, verse 44, it's the same um, underlying uh, root words, but translated a little bit different in the English. Four times then, this same wording, basically, God states the reason why he was so merciful to Israel, even in light of their abominations and their idolatry. And that is because he says, I acted for my name's sake. So let's think about this for a moment. He acted for his name's sake. First thought, obviously, he acted. He did something. Let's not take that for granted. That in and of itself is significant. He didn't sit back. Uh, he didn't let things take their course, as disastrous as, as that would have been. Uh, he didn't watch with uncaring detachment. Uh, he didn't sit by in powerless frustration. None of that. Indeed, he acted. He desired to act. He willed to act. He was able to act. And he cared enough to act. Uh, later today, as I hope you do, you reflect on, uh, read this chapter, even take it in a bigger chunk, spend a longer time and read chapter after chapter of Ezekiel, I think you'll be impressed by the way in which God acts on behalf of his people. And count just here within this passage the number of personal active pronouns that describe God's action. Over and over again, God says, I will bring, I will make, I will purge, I will accept. So it's I, 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 I. That is God speaking of what he will do. God indeed acts in the lives of his people. So that much is very clear. God acted. So what is his action specifically addressed here? The action referred to is, in general, his mercy. Uh, some aspects of that mercy are noted in the verses I read, verses uh, 7 through 10. 
especially 10 and 11, the fact that he brought them out of Egypt, uh, that he's giving them his laws, that he's giving them his Sabbaths. He could have let them remain in Egypt, right? He could have provided for some way to them to stay there, not get totally uh, bowled over by the Egyptians. After all, as they reflected later in their criticisms of the wilderness wanderings, they said, hey, we had food. At least we had work. We had shelter, right? Why did you bring us here to suffer so much? I think they'd forgotten how hard it was. But really, all that is to say they had their basic needs, basic needs met as much as a slave could have. So they had work. They had food. Uh, they'd grown numerous. They had Egypt's laws that provided for a somewhat orderly life. They could have just stayed there. They didn't have to come out of Egypt, yet God did act on their behalf to do that. And so truly, the very essence of mercy is that it's not deserved. It's not obligated. He's not compelled to do it. It's not required. The Lord God was so very merciful to bring them out and care for them as he did. And that fact is repeated on their behalf Sorry, the fact that he acted repeatedly on their behalf further highlights the magnificence of his merciful care. So he acted, he acted in this way mercifully. So let's ponder briefly, why, why did he act that? And that's what I emphasize by the wording for his name's sake. First, let us consider why he did not. Did he act mercifully on their behalf because they were so righteous? Obviously not. No, they were far from it. In these few verses, he enumerates some pretty heinous sins they committed. So he did not act mercifully on their behalf because of their righteousness. They had abominable idols. Abominable, otherwise translated as detestable things or vile images. I think we come up with some modern day uh, similar things. Even when he reminded them to put away their idols, they actively chose to keep them. That's the significance of the phrase, before their eyes. It's not just some idol up on the shelf that was occupying the space in their home. They were turning their attention toward it, or they're bringing it off the shelf and putting it on their coffee table, right? Right in the middle of their room. Before their eyes, their focus was on these abominable practices. They actively looked at them and engaged with them, they were not forced to do it. They were not obligated to do it by some outward power. They chose to do it. So that sells the question as to whether God acted on their behalf mercifully because they deserved such kindness. Far from it. The Israelites were not innocent. They deserved, very much deserved, the wrath that was threatened against them. As it's worded in verse 8, I will pour out my fury on them. That's what they deserved. So if it wasn't because of their righteousness, why did God do it? Also, it wasn't merely to be nice. We can think, well, God, because he's God, nice guy, right? The man upstairs, he's a nice guy, so he will act nicely. Well, that's a very human view of what God in his supreme goodness would do to people. Uh, but if we view it in terms of God's uh, holy justice, he is not obligated to. He does not have to, and he only does it because he wants to. So coming to that reason, the way it's worded here, he wanted to because he wanted to act for his name's sake. And attached to it is that it, that is his name, should not be profaned among the Gentiles. That's the emphasis of verse 9. And it's repeated, as I said, verbatim in verse 14, I believe uh, verse 22, and then similar English wording in verse 44. The fact is, God is zealous 
for his name. His name being the outward, visible, audible, tangible, something we can grab onto, embrace, understand, representation of his character and being. He was not going to let the nations think that he was mistaken for choosing Israel or weak or unable to help them or disinterested for letting their behavior slide. Any of those options would have reflected poorly on his name. It would have reflected poorly on his character. So for his name's sake, he acted on behalf of Israel. In order to stop the accusations that would come from the nations, that's why. He brought them out of Egypt. He showed them his judgments, which bring life. And as the history con continues here, he did those kind things in bringing them out of Egypt, and then they fell again. He did this next gracious thing. They fell again. And the ultimate ends of the story is the ultimate grace that comes in Jesus. That's what our failed righteousness ultimately needs, is the ultimate solution. And so think of the audience here and uh, put ourselves in their, our, ourselves in their place as we are remarkably similar. I believe they would have been supremely humbled to read about their ancestors and the kindness and the grace, the undeserved favor that God extended toward them. And for us to think we don't deserve, right? God doesn't have to be nice to people such as us. And so friends, remember where this starts with is sin, very personal sin a sin of each individual, a sin collectively of a nation, a chosen race. Our sin, our thoughts, our words, our actions that are lawless, right? That's what sin is, lawlessness, acting contrary to God's law. And our sin brings two potential outcomes, either wrath mentioned here or mercy. We deserve wrath, but our great God so very kindly brings mercy to his chosen people in the face of their sin, not because we are deserving, but for his name's sake, to defend his character, to stop the criticisms of the unbelieving world that they might bring against him. So instead of the wrath coming to them, these people, to us who deserve the penalty for our sins, the wrath was put upon the sinless, perfect son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember that sequence, mercy, and either comes judgment, I'm sorry, sin, and then comes either mercy or judgment. God's righteousness is magnified in both, and it's through his great kindness that he extends the mercy to us. May we, in humility, come to appreciate this mercy that covers all of our sin. And with the psalmist, delight in the fact, and I quote here from Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do stand in awe of your unmerited favor, your mercy, your grace to us for Jesus' sake. Indeed, for the sake of your name, your great and holy and awesome name, we stand in awe of the goodness and the grace and the kindness that you extend to sinners such as these people, their wickedness being so great as recorded in Ezekiel, but our wickedness too, deserving of judgment and that judgment having fallen upon our beloved Lord. Make us mindful of this, that you would lead us in paths of true righteousness by faith. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.